Father, we just want to thank you, Father. We need your anointing, O Lord. Father, it is your word. I'm just a vessel. And we want to confess with the hymn writer, channels only, blessed master, but with all thy wondrous power, flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. And this morning, I pray, Father, that you would make me into a channel. Sanctify this channel. Anoint me and all of us, even as I speak, and all of us here. Let the word be a double-edged sword, cutting both ways. Lord, convict, rebuke, chastise, exhort, encourage, strengthen your people this morning. To that end, I pray that you would, Father, bless this time of meditation. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' name, Amen. One of the tragedies, oh, you're, not, you're not able to see, sorry. One of the, one of the tragedies um, of a believer, after he is born again, it's not, I'm not talking about before he's born again. After he's born again, when he's growing in the Christian walk, that he still tries to go back to the old ways of doing things. For example, you want to keep whatever has been spoken to you for, in your own strength. But that is not what it is in the new covenant. The new covenant is, yes, the standards are extremely high because a it's just not looking at the letter. It's looking at the spirit beyond the letter. And in order for us to keep the spirit of the letter, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, it's a struggle for me too. No, For example, if I listen to a sermon on, on a particular day, I get fired up and I say, let me do this. You know, It's like, let's do it, man. I just pump my fist and do all kinds of things like, a, like an athlete. But after a while, I'm not going anywhere. It's beating in the air. So, the, but the point is, it's God is not looking for people who can do it on our own strength. God is looking for people who are yielded to Him. See, the promise in the New Covenant is this, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. I was driving down from New York to Montreal on a train after visiting Times Square Church. I heard David Wilkinson preach for two Sundays. Last sermon I preached, I was a, I was a, I was a new, I was uh, a visitor in the church, so every visitor gets a book. And in that book, the first book I received and I read from very old, I was 22 years old, okay, I was 22, 23 years old. The book was The Glory of the New Covenant by David Wilkerson, I was reading on the way. And this is what it says, you know, because we're all people, like, we want to do it, we want to do it. This is what it says, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that, that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. Who will put? I, okay. And I will write them on the tables of their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive 
their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. See? Cleanse them. Give them a clean slate. A brand new start. That's exactly the reason why when Paul is even writing the book of Romans, the epistle to the Romans, yes, it's um, it's a very logical book. Okay, extremely step by step, he's unfolding the gospel and unpacking the gospel. Even though he's unpacking the gospel, he's just little, he's not just writing out of his brain box. He is actually experiencing what he's writing. He says, he says in chapter 5 of Romans, he says, you know what, we have been justified by faith and we have access to his grace on which we stand and therefore we have hope. Okay. And then he says, after being justified by faith, the struggle every believer play, uh, uh, str- uh, faces is the, with the power of sin. Therefore, he says, yield the members of your body because the sin has uh, sin. We are no longer under law but under grace. Therefore, sin shall not have dominion over you. That is a promise. Okay. And therefore, he says, yield the members of your body as instruments of your righteousness. Okay. So be willing, he says. And then he comes to chapter seven. He says. This is something interesting. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good. For to will is present with me. Look at this. Look at the struggle. With me. But how to perform what is good? Sorry, I don't have it. Yes, I have a willing mind. I want to do it. Okay. Okay. I want to speak those words of faith. I want to overcome sin. I want to have that kind of a faith that the centurion had or, or the, or the woman with the issue of blood had. But the problem is the will is there, but no power. Okay. Then he says, Oh wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God. And that is how the entire premise or the, or the foundation is laid as we catapult ourselves into Romans chapter 8, which is the life and the spirit. And what, that's what it says. Those who live according to the flesh cannot please God, right? And that means only those who people, only those people who live by the Spirit please God. And what is faith? Those who do not, it is impossible to please God without faith. That means walking in the Spirit is essentially walking by faith. So Paul understands this. And the only thing he's looking for each and every one of us here is a willing vessel. Look at what he says in Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 3. He, he emphasizes this, 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 uh, this idea. He says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us. Yes, you were ministered by us. Written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is the heart. Okay, so therefore today I title today's sermon, Treasure in Earthen Vessels. Of course, um, I was preparing this before yesterday's sermon, but then I got in the title yesterday, okay. Uh, what I have to, to really share from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, Paul has says, says something very interesting. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Okay, that's that's very important. Now, and then he says we are perplexed, we are crushed, we are, we are we are we are all kinds of things is happening to us. But whatever, no matter what we are going through, what is coming out of our mouth are words of faith. Why is that words of faith? Because we have treasure. Where in earthen vessels? So questions we need we need to we need to pose three questions. What are those three questions we need to pose when you look at this particular verse so that we can, from the, from the context, we can see what 
what uh, the answers to those three questions is. First is, what is the treasure? Okay. Obviously, that what is the treasure? Okay. We have this treasure. So, and then he says, where is that treasure? And then he says, Yo, the answer is obvious, it's in earthen vessels. But what are those earthen vessels? Let us be, let us define it specifically, right? And then, if, what is the treasure? Where is the treasure? How do I get that treasure? Three, three questions. Very simple questions when you look at that particular verse that we need to post to us. What is the treasure? Where is that treasure? And how do I acquire that treasure? So that when I speak out, there will be words of faith and not of unbelief. Right? So, let us see the context in which this particular verse is positioned. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled in those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Okay. Minds are blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Notice that. What is that? Okay. Understand. Okay. Let's see. Who is the image of God should shine in them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bond servants, for Jesus' sake. And then, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the question is, what is the treasure? Okay, so let us try to answer these questions. What is the treasure? Answer, it is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. It is not just the knowledge of the glory of God. It is the light of the knowledge of glory of God. There's a lot of difference between the two. No, Okay, it's like uh, you study Pythagoras theorem, you solve it, you memorize it, go ahead and finish it off in the 10th class board exam and come out of it not understanding nothing. And then you go to university that you have to apply this. Okay. Okay, you had knowledge of Pythagoras theorem and suddenly you start applying what you get is ding, light in a particular situation. Okay. You have knowledge of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's the standards of God. You have the knowledge of the standards of God, but you do not have the light about the knowledge of the standards of God. What do I mean by that? Give me, let, let me give you an example. Isaiah writes first five chapters of the book of Isaiah. He thinks he's fired up. And then he goes to the temple. And then he sees the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And he, what he says, oh my goodness. He sees himself in the light of who God really is. And then he has a light about himself. And he has light about God. That is revelation. Okay, that is what illumination means. Okay. Job says, no. Uh, what does he say? He says, I have heard you about you with my ears. But now... My eyes have seen. I have light. Now I see you. I see myself and I abhor myself in dust and in ashes. Okay. That is light. And then, of course, you have Simon Peter. He has this fantastic catch of fish. And then he falls on his knees and he says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. It is light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So that is a treasure. It is light. You see, that is the reason why blessed are the feet of those who preach the, not mathematics, okay, okay, not uh, science, not arts. See, ultimately what transforms people is the gospel, not math. 
Not education. Education makes you an informed thief. That's all. Fantastic, brilliant thief. That's all it does. Like we have a brain box, which is sharp, but you have a perverted mind, a perverse mind. Literally, we hold the truth in unrighteousness, in other words. You see? So it's not a brain, it's, that's what we, we are talking about. So this is the treasure, it is the gospel of the, that is the reason why even when, we, even if we do social service, the church is not is supposed to be an NGO. It is a place from which the gospel is preached to the people and people are sent from this church in order for the gospel to be shared outside. Only gospel brings salvation, nothing else. So that is the treasure. Now where is the treasure? Where? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ is shining where? Where is it? In our hearts. So that is the place of your treasure. And how to therefore get the treasure? Answer, according to me for today, is to develop a heart that can hold the treasure. Not a mind which can memorize. <laughs> okay. One of the gifts that my parents gave me is to memorize. So, one trigger and it, something will come with the flow. Okay. But that is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a heart which can hold the treasure. You see what it says in Matthew chapter 12. Very interesting was either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, words, let me tell you something. You know what is the treasure that you and I have should have? The word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay. You don't have to... See, what money did Elisha have? Tell me. Every problem he had a solution. And he asked the Shunamite, what do you want? Do you want me to put a word for the king? Because if, if Elisha sends a recommendation letter, that fellow will tremble. He, 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 what, what do you want? You have any, any problem, Elisha has a solution. What is the solution, Elisha? Do you have an infinite bank balance? No, 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 no. I have faith. I have, I have a treasure in my heart, which I've developed over a period of time through my discipleship training process with my mentor Elijah. And what do I have? I have this treasure. I have become a steward of the mysteries of God. That's what Paul says. And you know what a steward is, right? In other words, he is the one who has the bank keys, chabi, locker keys of all the treasures of God. Who has got it? Paul. (laughs) The mysteries of God. 645 of Luke also says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, therefore, therefore you, we looked at, um, um, the woman who was, who had an issue of blood. Excuse me. Give me a second, please. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, suddenly something happens. And, uh, yeah. We had, we, ha- we looked at the woman who had the issue of blood. In Mark chapter 5, this is what it says. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. For she said, but she spoke, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be healed. I looked at another translation. No? 
Look at what it says. I, I like this translation. I think it's a Berean Standard Bible or the NASB, if I'm right. This is what it says. For she kept on saying, if only I touch his clothes. You know, kept on saying, no, I want this. I want this deliverance. I want this that. If only I can touch. Somehow, somehow, somehow. Just kept, these are words of faith. You know, we, we, looked, we looked at that. We have, faith has a voice. Where is it, where is it coming from? It comes from the heart. Mark, Mark 7 also, we looked at that yesterday. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician woman by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And then she says, she answered and said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs. Then he said to her, for this saying, spoke it out. See, And where is it coming from? It's coming from the heart. Therefore, there's a direct conjunction between the heart of faith and words. What therefore, what should we develop? A heart of faith. If faith has a voice, then that voice or those words come from the heart. Therefore, what we need is a heart of faith, words full of faith and full of wisdom. So you know what does God say? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 20, very famous. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth nothing. So out of the Barnan's heart, the Lord speaks. So what does, how do we get this? Now this is something which we cannot develop it in our own strength. God makes, forms it in our lives. And how does he do it? Through a process. It's what we call as potter and the clay process. Let us look at that particular passage in Jeremiah chapter 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that was made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. He was making. That's exactly what happened. God made Adam from the dust of the earth. He made. And then when Adam fell, when he rejected and when he rebelled against the commandment of God in his hands, the thing got marred. And the vessel that made of of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Say he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So you have three, three people over here. Okay, three things. You have the potter, you have the clay, and you have the obviously, right? Who is the potter in this case? God. Who is the clay? We are the clay. And what is he doing? He's on the wheel. And what is a wheel? Wheel are the circumstances and situations in our lives. Okay. He puts us through the, what we call as the ringer. Okay. And keeps forming us slowly. Okay. By the word and by the water. By the word and by the water. Or by the water of the word and by the spirit of God. He's slowly forming us. 
That is the reason why he tells in Deuteronomy chapter 8 to the children of Israel. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to see what was where? In your heart. Slowly through situations and trials and circumstances, God is putting you and slowly he's transforming you little by little by little into the into the vessel that he likes and therefore what do we yield ourselves to we yield ourselves to the study of the word and to the discipline of the word so that we can become treasure houses um uh you know when i was when we were uh, growing up um, one of the things that exams that you have to write to get a graduate school entrance is gre Okay, and we because we come from science background, our English is very poor. Vocabulary zero. Okay, almost. So one of the books that we are introduced to is what we call as Word Power Made Easy by Norman Lewis. Okay, okay, that is one book which, how many of you read that book? Anybody in this? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Word Power Made Easy by Norman Lewis. Okay. It was such a beautiful book. I finished that book in one week. Okay. And many, most, most of it I remembered. And then somebody said, it's just, it's just not the, it's just not the words, word power made easy. You should also have a thesaurus. And I said, what is a thesaurus? How many of you heard the word thesaurus? Yeah. Okay. Thesaurus. Okay. So all English people know thesaurus. I was uh, Anguta Chap. So, uh, so I had to know what a thesaurus is. So thesaurus is essentially a, a, a particular situation or a word which has multiple synonyms and in different contexts you can use those synonyms to 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 express different feelings or expressions etc okay thesaurus now you know what the word for treasure is in the bible thesaurus so what are the treasures that you should have words different words for different situations What's the word? Thesaurus. Now we'll come to that in a while. But just keep this in your mind. Therefore, there's a beautiful verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Is in Matthew chapter 13 verse 52. Okay. This is what it says. And Jesus said to them. This is the NASB translation which renders it beautifully. Okay. Therefore, Jesus said to them. Therefore, every scribe. Say every scribe. You know what? A, who a scribe is? Scribe is the one who is strict in grammar. Grammatious. Dotting the eyes, crossing the T's. Okay? Sunna, Arasunna, Visarga, everything. He's looking at all the grammar so that there's no mistakes at all in the syntax. You know, if you remember one of the things that when we debug code is the biggest headache is syntax error. And you'll say, Baba, the logic is fantastic, but syntax is wrong. So this is scribe. Scribe is the one who says, you know what? You should give everything in order. Scribe, this is what, it, what you're doing. So what God says is that whenever you're coming to the word of God, see, remember this, remember this. Let your heart, let the word of Christ dwell richly where? Not in your mind. It has to percolate into your heart and it percolates mostly into your heart, not by just going through circumstances, but learning through circumstances. Learning. Learning through circumstances. You're a scribe. Scribe is not a reporter. Okay. He is, he's this, this, like for example, uh, Moses looks at the burning bush and he sees the bush on fire, but it's not been consumed. And essentially it's a reflection of his own life. 
And then he, God asked him to start beginning to examine himself and make a note of things going on in your life. Therefore, every scribe, he says, who has become a, oh, not many people become disciples. A lot of people are scribes, you see. They take notes. That's the reason why one man of God, God said, in a, in a church, most of the time, our reporters are not disciples. Because they're very busy writing notes. Okay. So the scribe first has to become a disciple and then therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of what? Of the kingdom of heaven is like a steward, head of the household who brings out of his treasure, which is a thesaurus now. You see, let me tell you something. If I ask you to write an essay, okay, remember, one guy only knows the reso. Uh, the, 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 yeah, the cow. His, I have a cow whose name is Mao. What does the cow do? Mao eats grass, it gives milk. And it gives dung. Out of the dung, I make fire. And what is, it keeps on eating grass, and it keeps on giving milk and dung. That's all he knows. And suddenly he goes to the exam, write about aeroplane. Okay. So, he says, I went in the aeroplane, I flew into the sky, and from the sky, I looked at Mao. Okay, now he's writing only about Mao. So, so many people, their life is only that. It is called grass theology. One man of God said, grass theology. We don't want to go into the promised land. There is a grass (laughs) for on this side of the... We have lots of herds now. In the future, they become pigs also, no problem. Okay, alright. We want grass. Gaddi. That is the reason why they change the glory of the Lord into an image of an ox that eats what? Grass. And it's interesting, you go to every stock market. Out of the, outside the stock market, you will find one bull eating grass. That's the symbol. It's the golden calf of the modern day. What is it? Stock market. Blue chips. So it is a treasure. See, treasure therefore, see, I'll tell you something. Treasure in any place is intellectual property. That's the reason why it's called intellectual property, right? IPE, intellectual property rights. We have to do what you call as patent. Papa, when you do patent, that's it. Some fellow will be using, you'll get royalty. That is money. What is it? It's ideas. That's a treasure. So God says, you know what? Every scribe. Therefore, between, from the scribe to our steward, what is the most important thing that has to happen in our lives? Is discipleship. It's training. Which most of us don't like. That is the reason why all scripture is given by the inspiration. The word is very interesting. It's pure pneumos, meaning it is breathed by God and it is profitable. That means it gives you profits. For what? For doctrine. For teaching, in other words. Teaching about who? It, it about, about the doctrine of Christ, essentially. And it is for reproof or conviction, to build convictions into your life. For correction. For correction means what? Whatever is bent in your life to be made straight. And you know what happens? The more you come under the authority of the anointed, inspired word of God, things which are bent in your life are becoming straight. That is the reason why you'll be able to walk Upright. <laughs> and what? Blameless. See? 18 years you, ca- you have been coming, you have come to the synagogue. And you have been listening to 
boring preaching. No anointing at all. And Jesus looks at her. 18 years bent, Baba. What are you preaching? No authority. She is bound by Satan. Don't even see that. And he says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Immediately. You know what? That's exactly what happens to each one of our spirits. We have been bent in certain directions. And you come under the teaching of the anointed word of God. You become straight. What is bent in your life can be made straight. I had a friend. Savio bent. My teacher said, Savio bent. I'll make you straight. Somebody came to the church and they knew that the fellow called Savio bent. So he's no, she's no longer here though. But you know what? Savio bent. Make you straight. So we are all Savio bent. Sorry Savio. Okay. God is making us straight so that we can have, we can be householders who can hold his treasure. And what comes out of our mouth, even in the most difficult trials, Father forgive them. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Okay. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. See, that's the words. You know, therefore, what does scripture say? In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. What do we need is, what? Light. What is the treasure? It is light. And where should be the treasure held? In your heart. And in order for the treasure to be held in your heart, you should become a disciple. Say everybody's a disciple. There's no discipline without, sorry, disciple without discipline. That is the reason why one of the prayers that I pray, slight modification, my own version of Isaiah. All my children will be disciplined. Discipled? Huh? I just saw discipline. Discipline? Disciple and taught of the Lord. I'm not adding to scripture. I'm just rendering scripture. Okay. Okay. Rendering. See? So there's one verse in the Bible which I love the most. You know? We sing that song, no? Uh, Don Moen used to, I, we never sang that song. I only heard it and I, I loved it because it's got a slight like jazzy beat, no? What does it say? Uh, a sacrifice of praise. Oh, thank you, Peter. You're in tune. A sacrifice of praise. Lord, I give it all to you. Lord, I give my Ah, heart away. Lord, I give my heart away. I used to think, what kind of a song is this, Baba? Where, this all romance songs, where does God ask to give your heart away? Where, where did anybody write? And now you, I have to shut my mouth because Proverbs chapter 23, Proverbs chapter 23 verse 26 says, no, Oh my son, give me your heart. Oh my son, give me your heart. May your eyes Take delight in what you see. You want to see and you want to put, put that in your heart. You have to have an illuminated mind and put that, that illumination has to percolate into your heart so that you can hold this treasure in that heart. So what does God say? Lord, son, give me your heart. Please don't ask me that one thing. Take my money, Lord. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite will I withhold. But my heart, no. Because I can earn money anyways. Hmm? Tomorrow, if I sell sell off one share, so much money. See? See? So give me your heart, God says. I love that song that we sing, no? Take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it. I love those songs. Those are good songs to sing, no? It's been a while since we sang that song. Psalm 33, what it says. Look at what it says. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of everybody. So what is he forming? He is forming the hearts. Why? Because the heart is the seat of your spirit. The attitudes, the spirit. 
Look at what it says in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Forms the spirit of man within him. This morning God says, give me your heart and I'll give you light. What is that? Give me your heart and I'll give you light. Every time you surrender your heart, you know what you get? You get light. I'm not talking about knowledge. It is a light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That's what you'll get. I'm just not talking about head knowledge. It is knowledge. Let me tell you something. We're all in the journey. I cannot speak to you with this conviction unless and until I have light, at least to a certain degree. That is what the priests were supposed to have. They were supposed to have the Urim and the Thummim. They were not supposed to have Uri. Urim means lights. And Thummim, perfections. You see? They were supposed to have lights and they were supposed to have perfections. They were supposed to have the revelation. They are supposed to have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. And that light is possible for everybody if you believe. That's the point. Because he's forming your heart. You don't, you don't have to be a preacher of the word of God. But you can be a part person who exhorts people with their words. Whatever comes out of your mouth powers and empowers and encourages and, and you know, galvanizes people. That's the reason why in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I, didn't, I forgot to put it there. He says the words of the wise are like golds of a, of a, of a shepherd. They spur people into action. That's the, that's the power of words. Negative or positive. You know why? The, why Nazi Germany was able to destroy six million, the, six million Jews? Because of the words of Hitler, anointed by the demonic. It's a tragedy. Spurred the entire nation. It, indiscriminately, they murdered six million Jews systematically. They used all the technology to murder. I remember uh, Corrie ten Boom when she was in the concentration camp. One of the one of the blessings, if you will, of uh, being in a concentration camp is very rarely they have the opportunity to take bath. So one day they were all, you know, said, "Okay, go and take a bath." So they went into this place and they opened the tap. Water came, and somebody said, "You know what? From the same pipes comes the gas which kills all people." Thank God, today's water. You know what? It's, it was a society which was the most advanced. It had Luther. It had the technology. It had Mozart. It, it had all the trappings of the modern day and it had a mind which was spurred by the demonic and it murdered six million people. Because words have power, my dear brothers and sisters. That is the reason why pulpit is so important because through the pulpit, by the anointing of the word of God, we want to spur people into action to love God and to seek him and to seek his will and to fulfill his will for your life. And not to will, not to miss miss even a small element of his will. It says about David, David fulfilled God's purpose. I found a man, Jesse, who will who will do all my will. All my will. See, God says, therefore this morning, give me your heart, I'll give you light. Treasure in earth and vessels. So let us look at the first light. See, uh, I forgot to put it, put it there. It says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let us 
uh, offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips declaring his, his name. It's a, I forgot to put, I'm so sorry. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, we can, we can, if you're on online, you can possibly uh, put it. It says, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, it is the fruit of our lips, not just giving thanks, it is giving thanks unto his name. Okay, ESV renders that, interestingly. So let us look at the first person who gives his heart. Okay. So, Genesis chapter 22, let's read that. It's familiar portions. But to get a principle about revelation, about light. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Okay. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. The sound is so clear that even if I make it's coming out. Okay. Thanks, Sammy, for accentuating us. Okay. (laughs) Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son. Abraham replied, The father, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. What is this? Knowledge. He still hasn't received light. And the two of them went on together. So initially, I don't know how they were going, now they were going together. Okay. Maybe Isaac was following, but now they're going together. They're going to the top of the mountain. Some theologians say that Isaac was by this time 30 years old. And Abraham was 100 plus, 130 at least. Just imagine a 30 year old man is going to surrender himself to tie himself on the altar. What is he doing? I am giving my heart. Everybody talks about Abraham. Let us look at Isaac. Because we are all Isaac. Because according to the seed of promise, according to Galatians. So Galatians, Genesis chapter 22, this is what it says. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his knife and took his knife, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, you know this, but look at what it says. After all the story, this is what happens. Abraham looked up. In a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. That's interesting. That is light. What is this? What is ram? A ram is a princely animal. It's an animal which is princely, okay? You look at the the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, it talks about the ram. It talks about the prince. A ram with horns. That is the reason why the songwriter says, when I survey the wondrous course, on which the... You know, the, the, you all say prince of glory died. You know what the original verse is? In the young prince of glory died. So what happens when the moment he decides to give himself completely, he sees a revelation of the one who provides everything. everything. First thing, you know what you need, Abraham? You need an offering for your sin. And my son will be the burnt offering. 
he will completely offer himself. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide, from which we get the word Jehovah Jireh. That's the name of God, the one who provides. That is the reason why the writer of Hebrews says, sorry, uh, Romans in chapter 8, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he with him not give us all things? And you know what God is asking today? We have a promise. Okay, do you have the knowledge of God will provide, but do you have the light that God will provide? Do you have the experience that God will provide? And you know what he says? 23, 26. Give me your heart, son. <laughs> Give me your heart. So that I can mold it and shape it so that you will understand. Look at what it says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8. Very well-known verses. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. He is actually gaping for words to describe their generosity. Not their liberality, the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they very freely were willing to give. How? imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we hope, but they first, what? Gave themselves. And then, to the Lord. You see, if you have, that is the reason why Paul says, you know, my God, to the, to the Macedonian church, he says, my God will supply your need. He is like Elisha of the new covenant, no? My God will supply whatever you need, my God will supply. And this morning, God is saying, give me your heart. And you will experience him this morning. You give me whatever it is. No, what, for, for some people it could be money. Like the rich young ruler. He said, give everything to the poor, sell it and you will have great treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. And even back. For some, some people, it may be something else. Give up that relationship, maybe. Okay. Give up something is asking so that you can have the light. Give me your heart. I mean, we, we know that we keep hearing that. No, don't give your heart to your wife. Give your give her your hand, but give your heart to God. Give you give your heart to Him, and you will experience Him as a provider. And you, I'll tell you something. He will stretch you, and He will fill you. Therefore, what is God looking for? Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 12. For if there is first a willing mind. Another translation uses the word, for if the readiness is there. <laughs> That's all he's looking for. He's looking for people who will yield and not say, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? What is the circumstances? What is this trial? Every, every, every month my bank account has to go to zero. At the end of the month, what is this? What is this, Lord? I mean, I'm not talking about bank account going to zero because you're spending it on your own lusts. And somebody keeps coming and asking and you have to give. And you cannot hold. I remember, sometime back, just using this as an analogy, how God convicted me. Okay, There was this pastor who calls me. 
he says he gives me all these reasons as to you know I was going through trials. I said okay, fine you. And after a while, I just blocked his number because he kept on asking, asking. He was like that importunate widow. But I'm not God, you know. So, but one day, you know, it was remarkable. I was thinking about it, and I was—it's very so easy to judge, you know, people. Ah, what is this, Pastor? I don't know what is. And immediately, God told me, "You block this number, I'll block you." <laughs> it was—it was, it was un- unbelievable. It was—it was so—it was so. I—I—I I, was—I was taken aback because I can't think of such such voices like that. No, nobody comes and demands like that. If you block him, I'll block you. And immediately, unblocked him. He's not some other people. I know a genuine guy. Genuine person. And then, <laughs> it kept on, you see, but you know, it's amazing, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about in my little experience, you know, I have only light. I don't have lights, okay. So in that little light, when I stretched, I saw God gave, He came through. In some mysterious ways. Okay. Unbelievable ways. And the first time, it was, Unbelievable. Somebody was like, Telugu congregation in America, sending an offering. Where did you hear that? I was shocked. Telugu congregation in America? Nobody reads Telugu Bible over here. Telugu congregation in America? I was stunned. You see, that, that's how, it's, it's how God comes to you. He, you will experience Him. And I'm telling you, out of experience, let God enlarge this moment, this, this, this year for you. Give Him your, what? Heart. If there be first a willing mind and not according to one, the, say, I don't have so much. According to one, one has. Stretching. But practice. Oh my son, give me your heart. May your eyes delight in following my ways. That's the first light I want you to think about this morning. The next light, what God deals with is our insecurity. Is our insecurity. You know, so much, so many of us are fearful of giving up. What will happen, Lord? But that is faith, isn't it? Abraham went not knowing where he was going. If you ask me, where will you be in ministry, whatever, in five years from now, I have no idea whatsoever. But one thing I have, if I walk with God, and if I allow Him to work in my life, I know where I will be, as a person. That much clarity is there. Understand? Where I will be, how God will use me, I have no idea. That is the sovereignty of God. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters, you Every one of you know, it doesn't matter what background you're coming from, God is sovereign. God chose your parents. You know that? Whether legitimate or illegitimate, God chose it. God chose your parents because the circumstances and the the trials which have made you and the expression that God is going to render through your life is going to be unique and God will get the glory through your life and through your testimony. You ought to believe it. I'm saying that coming from a fairly nice, decent family, or parents, tough parents who really, really encouraged me and brought me, brought me up. And I know so many of you struggle with that, that idea. Okay. But you know something? Let me tell you. 
God has allowed those situations. God chose your parents. God chose your church. Do you know that? I can tell, testify. God chose my church because that is how he ordained steps in my life to bring me to the church. And the person who brought me to the church is gone. He was like the postman who brings the letter, post it and he goes. Amazing. Every situation in your life, God ordained. Your parents, your situations, your circumstances, God was sovereign. Think about it now. The son of God, even, even, I, mean, I was listening to one preacher in the morning, even, even if you if you see people in slums, when they have their babies, they don't have their babies in slums, at least they will go to Gandhi hospital. Where there's some semblance of cleanliness. But where did you see babies born in a cow shed? You know, one of the things that uh, shots that the mothers are given before they before they go for uh, labor, you go to labor is tetanus. You know, remember TT injection. Why? Because they don't want any tetanus to get into the sun, get into the into the baby. But you know what? The cow shed has got the maximum tetanus. Maximum tetanus. And into the tetanus ridden place, the Son of God is born. The King who breached the universe into, his, into existence was born. What condescension? Condescension bringing us redemption. The, the hymn writer says, what, a, what condescension? That in the dead of night, not one faint hope in sight, God gracious tender laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save the soul. You know what God is? God is the one who quotes people. And let me tell you something. Every relationship has to be a courtship. You know that? You know it when you fall in love. It's a courtship. I promise you this. I'll be good to you. I'll be this to you. And suddenly some, some other, some other person is getting the attention. Hey, this is a jerk. Don't go after him. I'm more educated than him. I can promise you a better life than him. Look at his teeth. Look at his hair. But just imagine, imagine that person, in spite of all that you have done for the person, he, she or he rejects you and goes and marries the that jerk. That's exactly what happened to us. That's what Paul says, no, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I have betrothed you to one husband so that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ and I am scared that just like Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness that you will be carried away, you will be driven away from the simplicity in Christ. And look, look at the simple guy. Ah, what will he give? But you know something? God is a Bevafa. <laughs> All Bevafa songs we write. Okay. That's exactly what uh, Adam became. After Eve fell, he became Bon Jovi. Your love is like bad medicine. Bad medicine is all I need. And he ate. We have a Telugu ba- uh, John Bon Jovi also. We call him S.P. Balasubramaniam, of course. Poison. Your love is like bad medicine. That is Telugu equivalent. And what do you say? We, are, we become Bon Jovi's, no? Your love is like bad medicine. Bad medicine is all I need. 
And God says, Baba, you don't need that guy. No, no, no. I like that bad medicine. I want it. Okay. Even if you kill me, I'll kill, I'll die in your hands. Baba, what is that? And that is the reason why you know, God cries out. He says, what iniquity did your fathers find in me? What unrighteousness did your fathers find in me? That they forsook me, the fountains of living water. You see, he is the ultimate Bevafa, he is God. And he is the ultimate Nilakantha. Because he took the poison of our sin. And he died on a place. Not our Nilakantha. Okay. So understand this. He is the one who woos us. He woos us to himself. Every situation in your life has been ordained by God. Chosen by God. Parents chosen by God. Okay. School chosen by God. Do you know that? Even if your parents gave God admission into that school. Okay. Marks also chosen by God. Okay. Remember? Marks chosen by God. Everything chosen by God. All so that you can come to this place. At least for me. In in time. The vectors of space and time meet on this pulpit for me. <laughs> okay. Every situation, every trial, every circumstances ordained by God to bring me this to, to this point. Do you see God working in your life? God shaping you? Shaping you through the wheels of circumstances. Yield to Him. If there be first a willing mind. Okay, let's see the next one. Exodus chapter 15. Now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Let's keep this in mind my dear brothers. This is very important. You see, they just had a fantastic experience. Okay. Three days, no water. They come to a place there is no water. They find water, but the, can't, the water can't be drunk. What is there in that? Bitter water. It's bitter. What is that bitter water? Let me tell you something. He suffered you to hunger to see what is in your own heart. Now he's seeing what is coming out of your heart, out of your mouth. For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. What, what is, what do they do? They complain. Keep this in mind. This is a spirit. Let me show you something. Revelation chapter 8. We know this very well. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven. Having like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. Then the name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood and many of the men died from the water because it made it was made bitter. What was made bitter? Water was made bitter. Now tell me what is water? Proverbs chapter 18 verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5. The intentions of a man's heart are so what has happened? Wormwood is sent and the third out of the waters have been made bitter. And what is coming out of the mouth of people is what? What? Only bitterness. Okay. I just made a search. What people say and what they mean. 
what people say and what they mean. What's what they say and what they mean? It's found in NDTV. Just go go type Google what people say and what they mean. Okay, just Google it. This is what a uh, uh, a survey found out. Are you okay? What they mean? Okay, all corporate people will will uh, relate to this. Dude, what is wrong with you? Get a grip of yourself. You are not the only one suffering. Okay, that is what they mean. I am fine. Okay, what they mean? Don't you dare ask me how I am. I am a mess and you are asking me again and again and that won't help me. Everybody is lighting up now. Okay. You are really a nice person. Thank God your behavior isn't as bad as you look. I don't want to talk about this right now. I'll wait for you to make your next mistake so that I can rub this in your face. Okay, next. Doesn't stop here. I need time to be able to forgive you. Huh? Girls, no? And boys with a coat. I'll take my time. Okay. Give me some time, okay? Baby, please, baby, please, baby. Whatever the baby is, boy or girl, doesn't matter. Okay. And look at this. I want to make you work to please me. The best. I'm so happy for you. My heart is like a piece of burning coal right now. What did I deserve such an unhappy existence? Why did I deserve You look different. You look different. What do they mean? The makeover fired, backfired. Ha ha ha. Another one. I was just joking. Or, I don't know why I said that. Or, I didn't mean it. I am going to tell you what I think one way or another. Wormwood. See that. I remember now when my first paper got accepted. Okay. Way back in 2008. Okay. One of the persons who contributed that work, I didn't know that fellow contributed that work to that work. The paper is already published, and I'm going to the conference. He came to the lab, he joined the lab recently, he was coming for a project. Okay. He looked at that work and he said. And I'm pub- you're publishing that work. But I worked on it. And he started crying. I mean, your colleagues, they cry. Research scientists, they cry when you, it's like very dangerous, no? Are, why are you crying? No, oh, I had a contribution in this work. And you didn't put my name. I said, Baba, I didn't know. I didn't know. said, from next time onwards, I'll put your name, Baba. <laughs> okay, no problem. You do little, I'll put your name. No problem. Same thing with me. In your paper, even if I do little, you have to put my name. I, I remember, you know what happened to him? His paper got accepted in a conference. 
in US. So he didn't have a US visa. <laughs> he said, Vijay, can you go? Put my name. <laughs> and then I will go. I have a free publication now. How people do it? They cannot enjoy somebody else's success. I am happy for you. You know, that is what we call in cricket uh, sledging. And I'm sorry, Australians, if you're watching, Baba, you guys sledge. And we poor Indians, what can we do to you? With your broad shoulders and hard pitches and with your pace balling, you threaten us and you sledge us. The best medicine for you was West Indies. You know something? West Indies, if they sledge, if you sledge the West Indies, they'll not sledge back. They come and ball the daylights out of you. I remember the 1985 thesis series. Who was that? Malcolm Marshall, uh, Gordon Greenwich, and uh, Michael Holding. Oh my goodness, Dennis Lilly and Thompson were coming and giving their intimidations and showing off and sledging. These fellows were quiet. Who can sledge Vivian Richards? He will come without a helmet. And with his chewing, ang, ang, ang. He, he, he's like so nonchalant. You ball bouncer, 160 miles per hour, I'm going to smack you for a six. You sledge or not sledge, we will show you with the ball. And you say, this is as cool as a cucumber. And they're balling bouncers. And you should see the pictures. Oh, ooh, ee, all the Australians. And the headlines, West Indies pulverize Australia. And what do they have? Sledging. Oh, you called me monkey. Something else he said. That became a monkey gate scandal. I don't know what else he said. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) It is open to interpretation, you see. (laughs) You see, sledging. But you know, West Indies, I I love the West Indies. I remember those days when cricket was a gentleman's game. I remember my dad telling me, Vijay, Gary Field Sobers was my dad's favorite player. Sir Gary Field Sobers. It was when I think Sunil Gavaskar was at 99 and he smacked the ball and it went high in the air and Gary Field Sobers was waiting for the ball. You know what he did? He was there, he left the catch and he went to Gavaskar and congratulated him on his 100. That is a good gentleman's game. What have we made? Oh, ooh, now even Indians also begin to sledge now. It is not there in our DNA, Baba. Sledging. You see, the whole world is filled with wormwood, my dear brothers. It's wormwood. Bitter words. You cannot enjoy somebody else's success. God bless you. I wish he blessed me first. So that I will have no... Why? If God, if you bless me first, then I will have nothing in my heart if you bless the other person. That is what, that is the problem, you see. Your heart. You know what God says? Give me your heart, please. Please give me your heart, my dear brothers. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. Look at the MSG translation, no? This is beautiful. Matthew chapter 12. Message translation. Okay, good, good treasure, etc. We know this. Okay. For out of the, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Look at what the message translation renders it. I like Eugene Peterson. Good old Eugene Peterson. Poor man. Hmm? 
you have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words. That's what I told you, Thesaurus. It's your heart. I told you, no? God bless you. But what do you mean? So it's your heart which is giving. That is the reason why God sees the intentions and the motives of the heart. He tests the heart and shows the reins. While all of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's your heart, not the dictionary. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. You know what a blight is, right? Mildew. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Oh, the guy comes to the Amalekite, comes to David. Oh, you know, Saul, your enemy. I took off his head by your words. The Sioux fellows, they kill off Ishibosheth. And they get the head of Ishibosheth to David. When they killed Saul, you know what I did to them? You think what I'm going to do to you? By your own words. And when it comes to David, that fellow will be dead. And he has to be restored fourfold. <laughs> your words, you are that man. <laughs> so what will happen to you? Your son will die. You will also restore fourfold. Your son will die. Amon will die. Amnon will die. Absalom will die. Adorijah will die. It will come back to haunt you. So my dear brothers, what is there in your mouth? Is there in your heart? So what God says, give me your heart. Give me your heart. So that what comes out of your mouth will be words of faith. Say words of faith, everybody. Words. Lord, make, give me a heart which will speak words of faith. Say that to yourself. Which will speak words of faith. How is that possible? Exodus chapter 15. So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought onto the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that... What's his name now? Yahweh? Rafa. <laughs> A revelation of God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to heal your heart so that what comes out of your mouth will be words of healing. You see, most of the time, one of the words that we want to hear from the doctor is, don't worry. Nothing to worry. It's okay. You go to Dr. David, he's here, no? Dr. David, my goodness, you should see the way he treats his patients. Even Dr. Richard. Boy. They have a uncanny way of putting you to rest. The other day, how they tricked my wife too for endoscopy also. 
nothing is going to happen to you madam nothing is going to happen to you you know i am the expert endoscopist in the city it is for your good and they'll put you at ease and slowly with your words they heal you yeah. and they sh- what do they call you patient that means it's not easy for the disease to go quickly so be patient okay it will take a while for the disease to heal so be at it be a scribe just don't stop from being us to be a scribe become a, a disciple <laughs> let the word of god the cross of the lord jesus christ go deep down inside of your heart and bring healing i am the lord who heals so how does it happen this is first samuel chapter 1 please not 15 last time also i made a mistake it's one chapter 1 okay let me just correct it right away so that uh even dr richard who's doing it there can also correct it so that i am uh yeah so so how do we do this <clears throat> so hana arose after they had finished eating and drinking in shiloh now eli the priest was sitting on the seat of by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the lord and she was in what in the bitterness of her soul and what did she do called all names to her husband be only because of you you get married to somebody else no and prayed to the lord and wept in anguish you see you can went out to god you see uh sister priyanka was talking about uh, psalm 84 no the valley of baka you know what valley of baka means valley of weeping you know what is the what is the plural of baka bochim <laughs> from which we get the word bochim at bochim the angel of the lord appears in jude chapter judges chapter 3 if i'm right or 2 and he makes a covenant with them and they call it what weeping why were they weeping for the consequences not for their sin and god says just weep your heart out before me weep your heart out make this a practice my dear brothers you're going through frustration go and vent your frustration to god it's he loves it yesterday pastor was talking about it right he has no problems and the one person who practiced this left right and center was david yeah look at what i mean i'm i'm going to show you psalm 52 like all the fantastic psalms you know this guy doeg they are doeg the edomite right he is like this guy who is a who is a turncoat in his midst he's sending sms every time to saul david is here david is here david is here. this is the location okay okay he's sending live location every time and this guy is wondering who is this fellow baba right in my midst look at how he prays Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of the Lord endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. You love all devouring words. You deceitful tongue. He's talking to Doeg about Doeg, and then he says, "The God shall likewise destroy you forever." What are you praying, David? It's called imprecatory prayers. That means you just went out to God. Okay. Yes, Alexander the Coppersmith. He did me wrong. <laughs> May the Lord do to him according to his deeds. Hand him over to Satan, Baba. <laughs> It's dangerous words, no? He shall take away, take you away, pluck you out of your dwelling place, and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear, and shall laugh at him. Here is a man. 
who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a what? Green olive tree in the house of the Lord. I trust in the mercy of God forever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is what? Good. It's venting out. And you know what he says? Write this as a hymn and it becomes a hymnal of Israel. Everybody sings. Psalm 52. Can you imagine? Let his house become this. Let his house become that. Who's like, you know, they're singing that song in the, in the assembly of the saints. I liked Psalm 34 last time we heard, sang that song. It was so fired up song. You know, that's the power of the word. When a song is inspired by the word of God, that's how impactful it can be. Okay. So how do we do this? You see, he was, he became Yehovah Nisi for us. Sorry, Yehovah Rafa for us. How? Because he took upon himself all of our sicknesses. And most importantly, all of our bitterness. He took it up upon himself. And he says, no, you know what? From now, from now on, what will come out of your mouth if you allow the work of the cross to, if, if you allow the cross to do its work inside of your life and your, inside of your heart, only blessing will come out. Psalm, sorry, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. For to this you are called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. Who committed? No sin. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, huh, what did he do? Did not revile anything. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And then he says, who he himself bore our sins upon his body on the tree. Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. What God does, he heals our heart. Let this morning, let God heal your heart. You know what the best way for God to heal your heart? Confess to him and bring all your bitterness and your anguish to him and went out. And you be honest with God. You will see the power of God coming into your life and transforming your words. And what will come out of your mouth will be only blessing and not curses. Jeremiah 4 verse 14. Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbor what thoughts? Wicked thoughts inside of you. Other translation will use wicked thoughts lodge within you. Those are two, two different things. You know what harbor means? Dropping anchor. Finished. Lodge means coming and nicely sleeping. They have rented space in your mind and your heart. And they have dropped anchor. And God says, take it away from your heart this morning. Next. Exodus chapter 17. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses. This is again. Okay. Yahweh Nisi. Why is it you have brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to what? In other words, to strike me. To strike me. And the people, and the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your rod with which you will 
which you struck the river and go and behold I will stand I will go before you on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it and the people may drink and Moses did so in the sight of elders of Israel so he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not? You see, how does our life from bitterness to sweet, become, how does it become? First of all, he has to heal our heart. Second, he has to make fountains of living water to gush out of us. You know how is that possible? What does he do? He goes and strikes the rock. First is Jehovah Jireh. Second is Jehovah Nissi. Third is Interesting. Okay, let me give you Ezekiel chapter 7 verse 9. I will turn my eyes away and show no pity. To whom? To Jesus, okay? I will repay you for all your detestable sins. Upon whom? Upon Jesus. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord. You know what is the name? The Lord who strikes. The Lord who strikes. No, who who did he strike? He struck Jesus on the cross. At every point for the water to come out of his heart, there's a revelation of Jesus on the cross. So, in Isaiah chapter 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we esteemed him what? Stricken, smitten by God. He became Yahweh, Make, the Lord who strikes for us. Smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are here. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ on the cross. God struck Jesus on the cross. What did he strike him? With the pierce, spear goes to his side. And what comes out of him? Blood and water. Both to cleanse us. And when he was stricken on the cross, and God says, whoever believes in me, out of his belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. The same God who strikes should continue to strike us now. That is the reason why First Peter chapter 3 will say, finally, all of you be of one mind. Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. That is, have a humble mind. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what? Blessing. Let me tell you something. Who were the people who were supposed to bless the children of Israel? The priests, the Levites, from Numbers chapter 6. Now, who are the people in the new covenant who can bless the world? The priests. Who are the priests? You and me. 
You know something? We are the only people on this planet who can bless others. And we are the only people on this planet who have it in us, in our spiritual DNA, which is born again of God, to enjoy in the success of others. We are the only people in our spiritual DNA, we have it in us to always pronounce blessing and never curse. We have it. You go to your offices, you go to your schools, you go to your colleges, you go to your campuses. When everybody is speaking ill about your boss, what will you do? Think about that. You know, one man of God said, never discuss somebody in front of your children. Never. Never. Whatever it is. And in fact, even if something negative is coming out, practice, like you know, pastor says, right? Remember the good that you had, that that person did for you, because you are the only people who can bless each other. You know, bless the Lord, and I say, Peter, I bless you, and you know, Peter can say, I bless you too. And we all have the have the God-given ability and the permission to what? Bless the Lord. Bless it. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Let me share you with one testimony and I will stop for today. You see, the first time when I was, uh, I was on campus, uh, before I left Triple we used to have these Christmas programs. Okay, Christmas programs. And uh, invariably they used to come and ask me to share. The first time I, I shared, I didn't know much about the Bible, so I did. I just shared. No? Every time I go, I share. The last time before I was leaving campus, I was called for one last time to share before I left. And I, I was telling the Lord, Lord, this is the last opportunity that I have to represent Triple IT, represent you in Triple IT. Give me the opportunity. So I went into this room. They were all invited. Students from different backgrounds were invited to the to the Christmas program. Okay. And I just went there. Nobody knew that I was the one who was supposed to speak on that particular context. I was sitting there. Nobody, everybody saw me. They ignored me. They didn't know that I was supposed to be sharing. And they were all speaking to one another. And you know, they were discussing about God, existence of God. All gods are one. And what is this about Christianity? And all these people, you know, all the what the gentle, gentle, gentle talk going on. I was just listening, listening, listening. And then I had the opportunity to share. I went. We had some faculty and a lot of students from unbelieving backgrounds. And that day, God put, put on my heart to really, really speak about the cross, about, about the manger and the cross. And I, I don't know what I shared. I finished. I just spoke my heart out. And then I finished. I came downstairs from the, from the table, from the, from the dais and I was walking. One student rushes to me. He looks at me and he says, sir, I'm a Hindu. I'm a Brahmin. Okay, I'm not a Christian. But when you were speaking, there was something about you, sir. And then he always said, it never, never happened in my life. He said, sir, can I take a selfie with you? And I could hear another prof. Who's this guy? Whose student is he? You know why? That was a time of blessing. 
I just spoke the blessing of God upon a people. You know what? You and I, I may not be as successful as them. Some of the prophets, prophets are more brilliant than I. Some people graduating from Princeton and Harvard sitting over there. But you know what? You and I have the authority and the ability to bless you and I, only you and I have it. Doesn't matter what background you you come from. You and I have the authority and the ability to bless others. But is the Lord doing a work in your heart so that what comes out of your heart is only blessing and not curse? I don't know how many of them are convicted, but let me tell you something. The seed was planted for sure. I remember twice in the campus for a humanities lecture, I was invited to share from the Bible about Christianity. I shared from the, uh, the from the Sermon on the Mount and from Psalm 139. The you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You should, I should tell you, I mean, all those were my students who come to my class and they know me as a very tough guy. On that day, their jaws dropped, eyes popping out, not because of me, because they never heard about Christianity. They never heard about Christ, because all they have is a stereotype of Christianity and not a person who will bless them and show them what who Christ really is. How many of you heard a clap after a lecture in your lecture halls? Especially if it's a humanities class. Humanities class, you know that, no? This theory, that theory, boring. After the class, there were a bunch of 30 students. Everybody started clapping. Not because of me. You know why? Because you and I have the, are the only people who can bless others. But is the Lord doing that work in your, inside of your heart so that He can take your heart and make it into your blessing? So this morning, I have only one message. Oh my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And then God says, you give me your heart, I will form it. I will change it. And one day, when people come to you, what will come out of your mouth is only blessing. Oh, Joseph, 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 don't kill us. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for harm, but God turned it around for good. And what was coming? Only blessing and blessing and blessing to others. What was coming out was words of faith. So this morning, God is asking, give him your heart. You sing that song, no? Two hands, one heart. What can I give to you, Lord? The best that I can, I will give. Can we all stand up in the presence of the Lord this morning? We are to finish and wind up early this morning. It doesn't matter. I rush through certain things. But there's three gods. Three revelations of God. The Lord who provides. He's sovereign over his every situation. No matter what you're going through. He will provide. He is the God who heals. He is the one who can heal your broken heart. That, heal the broken heart. That's the reason why he says, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. The, the Lord God has anointed me for he has sent me to the, preach the gospel to the broken hearted. To bind up the broken hearted. He can heal your heart. Because he is a God who heals Yahweh Nisi. And why is that possible? Because he was stricken. So that out of your mouth and out of your belly can flow rivers of living water. He is Yahweh Make. The revelation of God. Let that be your treasure this morning. Can we pray? Father, Father, this morning. Father, I just un-
unfolded your heart and my heart whatever you've laid as a burden in my heart in the last month of the sec- last day of the second month and we have 10 more months to go i pray father enlarge in our hearts grant us a big heart oh lord we need a heart which will enjoy in the success of others and more importantly in the success of our brothers and sisters and lord that you would grant us a heart as a church beginning with me that we will give ourselves so that we can work for the success of others for the spiritual success of my brother and sister i pray lord that you would deal with my heart so that when i speak words i will speak words which will bless and exhort and encourage and lord strengthen people in their purposes for you oh lord in in your purpose in their lives oh lord jesus and i will rejoice genuinely in the success of my brothers and sisters because your word says if one part of the body gets glory the entire body enjoys together because we are one body in christ i pray lord that you grant us all that revelation of who you truly are that we will truly become treasures we will have treasures in earthen vessels we will have the light of the knowledge of the glory of god and when we open our mouth will come only blessing because you have given us as priests in the new covenant to bless others and to be a blessing to many nations lord grant us that heart a big heart a big heart this morning to enjoy in the success of my brothers to enjoy in the success of my of my sisters and lord to enjoy in the success of other people even outside our fold oh lord jesus so that when they see our love they will say these people are truly a wise and a peculiar people who is their god and they would want to follow you and we will be like john the baptist that they will hear us speak and they will follow you to that and i pray lord that you would make us into scribes and you would make us into disciples and you would make us into householders who will have treasures and from their treasures they will bring forth that which is old and that which is new but that which is always fresh from heaven thank you father praise you we worship you we give you glory to that and i bless all of us this morning we thank you we praise you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name we pray amen 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 may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us for in jesus name we pray amen may the lord richly bless you hallelujah